The Meddlesome Meeples present The Bard's Corner with Matt and Heather. And joining us today, a very special guest. So joining us on the phone today, all the way from Arizona, we have a very special guest indeed. Kelly Keegi, lead singer and drummer for Night Ranger. And we're going to be discussing with him topics including Night Ranger's 12th studio album, Don't Let Up, songwriting, having two lead vocalists in a band, his solo material, and some excellent questions submitted by fans about topics such as Ozzy Osbourne, Boogie Nights, and Sister Christian. So Kelly, a huge thank you for joining us, and welcome to our show. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good, okay. I'm doing great. Working on some songs in my studio here at home in uh, Arizona. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. I'll definitely be asking you about that later. I really wanted to talk to you, start off talking to you today about the uh, Don't Let Up album. It's your 12th studio album, released in March, yeah? How are you feeling about the response to the album so far? Well, I think that um, every time we go in to do an album, you know, um, you just, you kind of like anticipate, you know, what it might be, and, you know, sometimes you, know, um, you just, you're not sure because if you do album, you know, like every two, three years, you know, you have to really think about what you want to write about, and you know, it's kind of a little bit complicated and can be a little crunchy, you know, because if you do too many albums, then, then it's like you know, you don't have a lot to say musically or uh, lyrically. But yeah, I think that we've been lucky on the last three albums to yeah. to, to to be inspired and. You know, we got some new players in the band, you know, Carrie Kelly, and of course, you know, you know, Eric Levy's been in with us for a while, and so all those elements seem to be working really well together, you know, um, as, as well as, you know, the, the, the kind of uh, technique that we've been uh, using uh, to start albums on the last three records has been Jack and I and Brad going to a room and with no, like, you know, basically no songs written like we used to do in the past, we would come in, we would just go in a room and just start to, you know, kind of jam around with, you know, with uh, different feels and ideas and musical ideas. And then we, you know, we, as long as we stayed at it for many days, we would be at the end of the week, we'd have, you know, half the album. And then, so the last three albums, that's what we've been doing. So it's been a pretty fast uh, process then of, of getting together and getting the material down. We've been very lucky, you know, and, it, and, and it's a little bit different every time. You know, just spending on three and two or three years in between doing them, it depends on what everybody's listening to and, you know what I'm saying, more, more older music, blues, you know, yeah. R&B or, or more modern music. We just, we love to mix all that stuff up, you know, so... Um, it's just been really, it's been really great for us. Because you, you you said that uh, working on the material for the new album, "Don't Let Let Up," was a great experience once again. Is it? Do you find it's this is normal to be able to get together and and just connect like that and just start writing together, almost off the bat? Yeah, yeah. It feels it feels pretty pretty natural. Um, the last you know ten ten years of to always be thinking in the future, like, what should we, you know, after touring, you know, when you're touring, it's nothing to do with creating, mm-hmm. as, as far as, like, a uh, new material, it's about creating something special on, on stage, and mm-hmm. for live, and for the audience, and all that, so it's a whole different thing, you know, but when you come home after tour, you know, you, 
it's just, with us, it's like a couple of weeks and then we start getting antsy, like, okay, you know, shouldn't we, like, be, like, you know, working on some new ideas and, you know, so that's, that's when we start thinking about getting together after the holidays and stuff like that, so working well. That's brilliant, that's brilliant. Do you know when you're coming together like that and you're writing the material, do you find that you, uh, as you're putting ma- the material to- together, that you have a, a favourite song on that album, or is it like picking your favourite kit, you know, something you can't do? do you... I think what it is, is, a lot of the times, you know, with songwriters, is like whatever you're currently writing becomes your favourite, right? But then yeah. as you get deeper into the process, you know, you start, you start, yeah. well, you know, interchanging that with other stuff, so... I mean, some of the earliest stuff kind of, um, you know, we, we got the particular the attention away from it because when you get to the end of the album, you always look at the list and go, what do we need? Do we need anything like a ballad? Do we need, you know, more, you know, up-tempo tunes and stuff like that? So you start focusing on that. But I think the, the early material that we wrote, the first four songs that we wrote were like, um, were like the, the first thing was like Jamie, and then, and then it was like, then we went into, uh, what, what was it, the long days journey home in a hurry, a really up-tempo um, a song, you know, then we went to the ballad, you know, Nothing Left of Yesterday, and then it was uh, one, of the, one of the tunes. So the first four songs were like really special to us. We were like, oh, this is great, you know, oh, Running Out of Time was another one. So then we ended up putting them on this live thing we did in Chicago. You know, kind of like the layout of the, in the beginning of the album. I have to say that running out of time, it's probably the most infectiously catchy song I've heard in a very long time. I, when I first got the album through, that song was stuck in my head for weeks. It has one of those like hooky little, little choruses, poppy, you know, but with great guitars and mm. it basically sounds Night Ranger. Yeah, that sums up Night Ranger, doesn't it? Um. I wanted to ask as well, you know, when you've got a band with with two very talented lead vocalists and you're coming together to write the material for the album, how do you decide who's going to take the lead on which song? Is it a case of, well, you sing this one, Jack, and I'll, I'll sing that one? Or is there is there a lot of factors to consider as to who does the lead vocals on each song? You know how it's worked in the past and me. You know, I mean, we always joke about, you know, because people ask, ask those questions pretty often, you know, and we, you know, we always make a joke about, you know, you know we bring up, you know, the, the boxing ring and see who's ever fit that that day, you know, but, but you know, that doesn't work. It, and what it is, it's just a, it's just basically, you know, mm. off the cuff, you know, it's mm. like whoever um, has, has the, has the, inspiration for it, you know, because we let each other try them, you know, and, and we're really open about, you know, um, you go out there and try it, and then if it doesn't work, you know, nobody gets upset, like, oh, man, you know, I wanted to sing it, and that, it's none of that, it's like, what sounds best, and we, we've been playing together long enough to where it's totally cool, you know, everybody's like, let's do what's best, and the, and the good thing is, is that we do have two vocalists that we can have you know, a different perspective on stuff, and it's, that's, a, that's a pretty plus, pretty big plus in this. Does it ever affect the writing, you know, when, you, when you're when putting a song together? Do you think, well, you know, 
if if I might be singing this one, I'll maybe take the lyrics uh, in this direction. And if it, I'm right, you know, you ever write with Jack in mind and think, well, if Jack's going to be singing this one, I'm going to do this and take it in a different direction. You know, um, that, that's usually kind of the case. You know, Jack got a little more edgier, you know, thing, and I'm I'm a little smoother, more R and B, and so we always look at it like that, phrasing wise. Mm. You know, because we're always always usually writing the music first. We right. come up with the melodies and the, and, the, and the instrumentation first, and then and then it's nice to have this like you know this 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 you know painting that started and not finished yet, mm-hmm. and you can sit there and just and kind of like you know space out on it and figure you know well, what what musical is is this saying and you know it's it's interesting like that because you know I mean sometimes it could be just something dumb that comes through. And it's really cool, you know, depending on how you set it. So, yeah, I mean, we, we definitely like to look at each other's vocal styles and go, this is, this is better for you. And, you know, I thought this album, I didn't see him sing any ballads. It's great. Because I, I told Jack, you know, it's like you never sing ballads. How about you sing the ballad this time? You know? <laughs> and I, I, you know, I, I take a back seat to that and not do it, you know. He's got a piano ballad on every album. You know? That's great because I mean I imagine it could be if you weren't uh, if you didn't have that chemistry to work together like that that it it could become almost well this is mine and I want to sing it so it's good that it it, it doesn't become that we like, um, between you you know yeah we, early on you know I um, I think there was some really like um, kind of touchy moments when we had a producer involved mm. because we couldn't mm. make the decisions. But naturally, and just be like, you know, totally like unemotional about it. You know, back in the day when we had a producer and there was a big record company, you know, with, mm. with, you know, with all the pressure behind there, like, you know, we've got to have this record out and, you know, we've got to have this kind of song and this kind of song, you know, it was just like, mm. you know, it was, it was a little uncomfortable when the producer was making decisions for us, you know? And trying to take control of that creative side. So... I mean, mm. that's how, that's, that's how nowadays we, we have a better time because we don't have that kind of pressure, you know. Good. Now, you're coming to the UK in March, aren't you? You've got two gigs. You've got um, Hard Rock Haller Paheli, um, and you're playing at London Shepherd's, Shepherd's Bush as well. Are there any plans in the works for more UK gigs at this point? Um, yes, there were some, some dates uh, that were just tentative, like we're... You know, possibly uh, there's a Sweden Rock Festival, you know, that we haven't played in a while. We're, you know, uh, possibly, but I don't, you know, right now, I, don't, I think those are the ones that we're going to focus on now. Mm. Because, um, you know, we we just want to focus on, on the UK right now because, you know, we love going over there. <laughs> um, not that we don't like other countries, but what we, you know, we especially like coming over there because we haven't had a chance to play there as much. And I'm very excited every time we played, you know, at the academy, it's just been like a riot. We have a great time, you know, and um, so we're so happy about doing these two yeah. two things, you know, in Wales and then this one in in London, and and uh, so I think we're just going to focus on those right now. Okay, so we'll look forward to seeing you uh, from in March for those. Now, you mentioned that you uh, were working in your studio earlier. Uh, can you tell us what projects you're working on at the moment? 
Uh, for the last like two or three years, I've been I've been working on a, another solo record, and I have two, and and I haven't done one in like ten years. Night Range has yeah. been pretty active, so I've just been kind of like you know writing for this project, and um, you know slowly slowly getting it together, and, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, basically, you know, it's, it's the stuff is pop because that's. That's really what I'm about. I love pop mm. songs, you know, especially the earlier stuff. So I'm trying to focus on it for that. But, um, you know, Night Ranger is probably going to have another record in the works probably in a year, you know, probably in a year, a year and a half. So I want to, I want to kind of get this thing out of the way and, and, uh, in the box in the next few months. And then I'll just have to see when it's going to be released. But, yeah, I'm working on this thing. It's uh, really, really good stuff. I'm really proud of it. That's exciting. I mean, I remember buying Time Passes. I think it was the day it came out here in the UK. I remember going around singing The Journey quite quite a lot at the time. Oh, that's great. We wrote that song in London, too. Peter and I did. There's, there's, that some of the songs on, on that album could definitely have, have been on a, a Night Ranger album, but some of them had a bit of a heavier feel to it as well, compared to a lot of the Night Ranger stuff. It's, it's kind of it's kind of weird though when you do solo stuff because I, you know I, I definitely like the band you know the band thing more because it's 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 a little bit less like you don't have to like make all the decisions. You know? <laughs> I mean, I would, you know, I'm I'm lucky that I have some good people like Jim Peterick and and uh, Joey Scott and Bruce Geist and people like that that I write with that are really close friends. So it kind of has that feel anyway, but. You know, there's nothing like the three of us, you know, Jack, Bob, and myself getting in a room and, and, and uh, you know, thrashing through a couple of couple of great grooves, you know, because it moves stuff along really quick, you know. The song on by yourself and solo, you know, you, I mean, you have to go through the whole process of, of writing it and then recording it, you know, and you have to get players or you'll have to slowly, like, build it, you know. Like, I, I can play two or three different instruments, you know, too. Mm. And that's good enough to make it, you know, but then eventually I'm going to have to have it be recorded by pros, you know. So that's that's why that process takes longer and more painstaking, you know. Because a lot of the guys uh, play, contributed to the solo albums as well, didn't they? You know, they were on there and helped with writing, but you had, a, as you say, people like Jim Petrick as well coming through. So there was it was quite an interesting mix of talent working on those albums. We love it. I mean, we love uh, mixing math. You know, it's like it's great to <clears throat> work on each other's projects and stuff like that. And, and Jack was working on stuff, and you know, he would come and work on mine. And you know, it's just it's just really great fun to just be creative about that and not have any any of that competition. You know, it's like mm. it just kind of adds negativity into it. So it's better to be a team. You know. Now, I just want to ask: thinking of your career so far, you've what would you say would be the proudest moments of your career and conversely what would you say would be the biggest challenge of your career so far well i think that that uh, you know when you know early on when our records were just coming out the first two records and they were being played all over you know in the way radio used to be you know mm-hmm. maybe be three different rock stations in any given mm-hmm. town and they'd be playing they'd all be playing your stuff mm-hmm. and that was just like that was just kind of like head spinning to us, you know. We'd be like, "Yeah, they're playing it on this station," and then somebody called and say, 
We're playing on this station too. I mean, it's like we just felt like a bunch of kids, you know. Yeah. And and we were just and, you know so excited and happy to be out on tour, and then it was just a whirlwind, you know. It just took off, and and then the, and then probably the, the 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 most challenging was when music changed mm-hmm. in the nineties, um, and you know we had to figure out other ways to to you know to, to be creative, not be creative so much as to get our stuff played, you know. Mm-hmm. Because uh, people were moving on, which is natural. It's totally natural, you know. But um, you know, we had to be happy with where we were at as a, as songwriters and musicians and as a band. So in that way, it was nice to have a challenge to to come up with stuff that people wanted to listen to, you know, mm-hmm. and keep our our um, our core fans happy, you know, yeah, and keep us happy, you know, initially. You know, so um, you know there you go. There's those two, those two things. You've been in the music industry since you finished high school, haven't you? When did you first know that you wanted to spend your life making music, Kelly? Well, you know, I, I mean, started out in a, in a neighborhood that had I had a couple of buddies that were learning how to play guitar, and it was right around when the Beatles were hitting. Certain music, well, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty ancient, so. I, <laughs> So I, I grew up with all this like older music, surf music, Beatles, you know, mm. and when they were coming out, so we tried to emulate and copy them, you know. And that was when we were seven, eight years old. Wow. And I, I just have been playing uh, music, you know, that long, probably, you know, 50 years of my life, 55 years, you know, and then I started playing professionally right out of high school. I started playing for my living. So playing six nights a week and jamming in clubs and trying to, you know, just keep going. It's almost like you probably can't remember a time when you weren't making music or, or playing then, I imagine. That's, that's correct. I've always been doing music. People always say, you know, hey, what do you do for, you know, like a hobby or something like that? It's just hobby. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean? <laughs> it's, all, it's all kind of like you're just engrossed in it your whole life. What would be your advice to, you know, someone listening to this, you know, young young kid in school thinking, I want to be a musician one day when I leave school? What would what would be your advice to that kid? I think that, you know, um, what it is, is you just have to have this, like, desire inside them oh. to just keep gnawing at you. It keeps, like, like, you know, waking you up and, and it keeps, like, uh, you know, keeps your, your brain occupied with the idea of being creative, you know, whatever that is. And it's not necessarily just music, you know, I mean, you can be creative in all these other ways, you know, I think that's what it is, is you just have to have this, like, burning desire to want to keep doing what you're doing and no matter what. And I think that's what all of us did. We, we, it was so important that we couldn't do anything else, you know. So it's that, that persistence and dedication. That's it. That's it. You just keep wanting to do it, no, no matter how how good or bad you are. It's like sometimes you just go, "Yeah, it's pretty bad, but I want to get better." You know. Yeah. Uh, I've got some questions here that people have sent to me. I've um, I've men- mentioned that uh, I was going to be talking to you, so I said, you know, any Night Ranger fans out there, please send me some questions. So I've got some questions from your fans here. If if you fancy giving these a shot. Uh, Carrington Martin says, as a drummer myself, 
I want to ask Kelly if there are any particular drummers that you looked up to growing up that inspired you, and who are your fam- favorite drummers today? Well, um, there's, some, there's some really great younger drummers out there, but I, but I always tend to go back to the, the, you know, the older drummers that I grew up with, like Mitch Mitchell and, and you know, Ginger Baker. I mean, those, those, two, those two drummers really kind of like pushed rock and jazz and I always thought that that was like so interesting, you know, to me. Uh, you know, basically to hear, hear a rock band playing swing was just crazy to me, you know. And then it just made me want to go and listen to what their influences were, you know. So, so those two drummers were definitely, and I, and I still go back and listen to them. I still go back and go, oh, I, you know, I want to check that out or whatever. Mm. So I would think that, the, yeah, you know, those, those two drummers, and of course, you know, the first singing drummer, Ringo Starr. Mm. Was, and, you know, I, I listened to the broadcast um, live in the Hollywood Bowl because I used to live in L.A. And it's, um, the song called Boys. And he was singing and playing. And I was like, I was like, okay, mm. I can do this now. You know, I think I can do this. You know, I'm going to try this out. So. Rebecca Weingart wrote in asking, what is Kelly's favorite song to perform live? Well, I think um, I think a lot of times, um, you know, the old the old standards that we play are are um, they've developed over the years, mm. so they become like even more you know, passionately mm. played and stuff like that. So, so you know, some of those the the songs off the first two records, you know, mm. I mean, you know, when you close your eyes and, and don't tell me about me, just to Christine and sing away those. Those older ones are great, and then you know it's always like it's always whatever you're working on that's current too. So we just went back from Japan and we played like four new songs over there, and every night we like put a new, you know, like two two new songs in there, and just to have the the, the audience reaction of of oh my god they they know these songs you know mm. um, was was amazing and so. It made us every night just come to another level and play those new songs, you know, uh, you know, as good as we could and possibly could. Mm. So yeah, I mean, running out of time, you know, that's a great one, and, and uh, you know, um, just I, I think that I think that when you're working on a new new album, you want to you want to make those those new songs special. You might be surprised, several people wrote in regarding Sister Christian. Um, Vera Christina and Sean Riley wrote in asking, did you expect Sister Christian to take on a life of its own the way it did, particularly after Boogie Nights? No, I, I, I think that, that when I started writing that melody, you know, because I started off with the, with the chorus, and, and it was like, I thought it was just corny, you know, I just thought, oh no, it's kind of corny and motoring, you know, everybody was like, what are you saying, you know? <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, it's like, I don't know. It's like, it's fun. It's like you're on a motorcycle. You know, yeah. you're, you're driving in the car. That's all it is. And, and, then it, and then it became like this whole tribute to my sister, who her name is Christy. And I just wanted to kind of be like a big brother to her and that, you know, kind of give her a warning about growing up. Mm. That's all it was, you know. It was simple. Exactly. And um, yeah, I had no idea. But that would, you know, that would be the song that, that people, you know, recognize Night Ranger about. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's 
Because especially, have, have you seen the um, the scene in Boogie Nights um, where they they have Alfred Molina acting out uh, high uh, while Sister Christian's playing in the background? It makes for some very powerful viewing, and it really has taken on a life of its own, hasn't it? It's sort of almost beyond the band. You know, people who aren't even Night Ranger fans perhaps will have heard Sister Christian and will have seen it in pop culture in in films and things like that so it it, it really has become this thing hasn't it it was wild when, when that movie came out you know they sent this the script and the script was totally you know just that for that that section it didn't didn't make sense <laughs> but then they actually put it together you know and we went, saw it in the theater we were like you know, back in the 80s, they were, you know, we did some pretty wild things when we'd be down there making records in Los Angeles. And, and, and that just seemed like that was like a chapter out of, out of you know, one of, one of the nights, um, you know, that we were in LA doing, doing albums. Yeah. Because we, I think we had been there. You know, we, you go to the dealer's house, you know, I mean, you have, we just have fun. We're not like junkies or anything. But, you know, back then it was, a, there was a lot of, a lot of drugs and a lot of stuff around. We, we were partaking, you know. But I, it seems like that was like, like somebody, you know, like watched us back in the, back in the day. That would be a good scene in a movie. Yeah, Semi autobiographical. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh my God. I can't believe they're doing this. Because they stayed in Hollywood Hills and, you know, that was just like, oh my God, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you've kind of answered the next question because Aaron Allsop wrote in um, asking what was the inspiration and meaning behind Sister Christian. Michael Schaffer also wrote in about Sister Christian, but he said, what was Sister Christian's actual yeah, price for flight? I know, it's, it's <laughs> funny, but you can't really tell what the, what the song's really about. But, you know, um, because like when we were actually like, before I'd written any of the lyrics, and I was saying, Sister Christie, blah, 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 you know, and, and I, I think that, I think that the band was like, what are you saying there? Well, you know, I just want to, you know, and I said, I'm just writing this thing about my sister, Christie, and they said, they said, oh, I thought you said Christian, and we all kind of like paused and said, I think it's better, mm-hmm. you know, so we used that, and, and the playoff of that even, is even more mysterious, more mm-hmm. And cooler. So, I mean, that's kind of, you know, kind of a license we, we take sometimes. You know, sometimes nonsense makes sense. <laughs> I think sometimes because if, if, song, if a song may have a more of a vague meaning, but it gives, gives people more chance to put their own meaning into the song and make it their own, maybe that's one of the reasons why it has grown so much into popular culture because people relate to it in different in different ways. I, I agree, and I think that's the beauty of, of, of songwriting and music in general, is that you don't always hear every lyric, and sometimes your imagination might might uh, you know draw another conclusion, mm. you know, which is kind of cool. You know, in a way. The last uh, question that I was going to uh, share with you that was sent in to us, uh, T- Timothy Dillingham, he wrote in saying, "I'd like to ask." Kelly, what the mood of the band was when Ozzy hired uh, Brad Killis for his tour. So obviously, this is referring to uh, back in '82 when uh, Randy Rhodes sadly passed away and Gillis stepped in on the tour. Yeah, but he's, Timothy's asking what the mood of the band was at, the, at that time. Well, I mean, 
Um, we were we were definitely working, you know, um, on trying to get a deal. We had we had I, I think four song demo out there with none of the hits on. Mm. We had like you know some of the um, you know, because we wanted to be a rock band, we wanted to be recognized as a rock band. So we had demos out there, and and it was just kind of like you know that process when you when you your record being shot. There's all this time that. You know, and it's dead, it's like dead space, you know, and you're like, what's going on? And, you know, we'd be writing songs and, and then we'd take a break and, and it just happened to be right during one of the times when we were just kind of just sitting there, not, not really doing any gigs. We had already written the, the songs and done some demos and had a rocket. And, uh, Pat Troll, who was playing with Pat Travers at the time, couldn't do, couldn't do it. He got asked to, to go, and obviously for Ozzy, and he couldn't do it or something like that. It was something to do like he already had a gig or whatever. So he turned turned them on to Brad, and then Brad was Brad and I were playing in this in this club band called the, the Alameda All Stars, mm-hmm. and the All Stars were just playing weekends, mm-hmm. you know, and just doing covers. And uh, and so he got asked to fly out to New York and uh, go into you know go to a hotel and. An audition for Ozzy, and um, the way Brad tells it, you know, as he went in there with his guitar, thinking he was going to like play with a band, and Ozzy was up in his suite, and he brought Brad up there, and he sat on the bed while you know, or sat on the floor while Brad sat on the bed with, without his guitar plugged in, <laughs> and just sat there and played, and Ozzy just sat there and just like with his eyes closed, and then just like different. You're the guy. Announced it to everybody. I'm bound to the tall boy. Unbelievable story. Wow. And Brad's like, what are you talking about? You heard me play. He's like, you're the guy. Oh my God. He's just thrown into the fire like that. And then he finished the tour. It was like six months. We were still trying to get a deal. And then right at the end of the tour, when they got done, and then we had a couple of dates left, like, a UK date or something like that, and they recorded that that uh, that that live show in New York, you know, the Speak of the Devil, Speak of the Devil. That's right. And um and so you know all the you know they were going to take a break and then and then you know two weeks after that, Pat Ross, our producer, called up and said, you know, we got a deal, you know, we did one. We're like, oh my God! And so Brad was home. <laughs> and we went right into the studio, probably within, you know, two or three weeks, we went to the studio down to LA, we were in San Francisco. Wow. So the timing all sort of fell together perfectly then, really? Unbelievable. You know, unbelievable. When we were cutting track, Ozzy actually came, came down to the studio to visit and said, came down and said hi, and that was the first time I saw him in head shape. <laughs> it must have been uh, it must have been strange just there recording turning around and seeing Ozzy there brilliant oh, oh brilliant absolutely brilliant so just finally then Kelly is there anything you'd like to say to your fans here in the UK well I just I just feel like we're, you know we're overdue for coming to play um, you know a day, and I'm so glad we're going to be playing a ship bush I mean that's just legendary to me to be playing this place that I've heard some of the recordings come out of there and um, and just, you know, the history that it has and also playing with our 
with our good buddies, you know, on um, Skid Row. It's going to be a fun show. We're going to have a great time, and I'm looking forward to spending some time in, in, uh, in London. It's going to be a great show. Well, thank you very much for speaking to us today, Kelly, and uh, all the best for the solo album. I'm really looking forward to hearing about about that when uh, when that comes out. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate the opportunity, and uh, hope to get to, to see you at the show. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm planning on being there. Look out for us. I'll I'll buy you a beer. Thank you. Love it. Yeah. Thank you very much. So a huge thank you to the wonderful Kelly Keegi for joining us. A big thank you to his management and to Gary at Red Sands for setting that interview up. And we want to thank all of those who wrote in with questions for us to present to Kelly. We hope you enjoyed getting those questions answered. We hope you enjoyed the rest of the interview as well. Thank you. Stay meddlesome. Farewell, Questa. To find out about other productions by the Meddlesome Meeples, then check out our channel or rendezvous with us at meddlesomemeeples.com. Until next time, Questa, farewell and keep thine axe sharp.